don't even have my thing open. That's what she said. (laughs) 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 Jesus. This is going to go well. Yeah. (laughs) Peter, Paul, and Mary. All right, well, welcome everyone to another episode of Geology on the Rocks, your one-stop audio shop for all things rocks and rocking out. So a brief overview of this evening's episode will include the intros and hellos, followed by a new news. Our main discussion will dive into all things disagreements among scientists. Psych, we're just going <laughs> to... It's going to be about things this episode. Between the bars of our main discussion, we present to you another Mineral Minute. And before signing off, we will close things out with another That Freaking Rock. So a big thank you to you, all of our listeners out there, for spending your time with us each week and allowing us to be played between your earballs. That sounded really good. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to reach out to us, whether it be for episode (laughs) ideas... Answers your wanting questions. I'm here for you, man. Or simply tells us about all the times we were wrong. So you can reach us at geologyotr at gmail.com or you can find us on Instagram <laughs> at geology on the rocks podcast. It does look like things are pretty squared away over here. So without further ado, to all of you over there, I am your host, James the Geologist. Hi, I'm our field camp <laughs> love baby, Marley Carly. And I am not. Brian Baggins. <laughs> this is Geology, Geology on the, the Rocks. <laughs> well, hey, peoples. How Hello. are y'all? Hey, good. Oh, yeah. Let's cheers. Oh, y'all just Can I hand it to you? <laughs> so we've had a little bit of a snafu. I forgot uh, one of our <laughs> mic stands. So it's Carly lodged. being... <laughs> it's lodged. Okay. <laughs> being awkwarder than awkward <laughs> usually. I'm straddling. Yeah, you are. Straddling, are you in? Are you out? <laughs> I don't really know. Suffering's what I do. Yeah. yeah. All so day. No why difference. should this yeah. why should this be any different? <laughs> so we've had to kind of like I don't know. It's better than using the yes. I guess the transfer paper roll. And we're you were having to look the opposite direction of yeah. your computer screen. So I think we've all survived. So how are you, Brian? I'm good. I saw you like three days in a row last week. I know. That was amazing. And I'll see you today and maybe Friday. And Friday, yes. Because Brian has a show. I do. You remember? I'm yeah. excited about that. But then you won't see me for like two and a half weeks, two weeks. <gasps> Boom! Well, we only have one more episode so before. Am I going to do that from afar? Or are you going to go to Ethiopia? The Afar region? Yeah. Oh, the, you cut out there for a second. I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think, think we're back. some cool trachytes from afar. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to, I don't know. We could talk about that sometime. I do think so. I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times, especially when it came to the fossils or the, I guess prehistoric life, human life. Yeah. Anyway, like we didn't talk the, about the volcanics. That'd be no, cool. we didn't. We could talk about some beta quartz. I like beta quartz. Yeah. I'm a beta male. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I think the Republicans use it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Don't they? Probably. Sounds crazy? like them. It's like, not, oh, you're such a beta. I'm not in that lore. What's that? Oh, did you know there's no such thing as like alpha an mm-hmm. alpha wolf? Yeah. There's it's yeah. not oh. it's not a thing, no. Nope. There's not really thing as like so, alpha yeah. personalities. It's Delta. not a thing. Macho dudes that are like I'm the alpha I'm the alpha male wolf. It's like there's no yeah. such there's thing, not. you idiot. There's <laughs> not. No. What no. is there? Just betas. <laughs> just wolves. Just simps. Just, just what is, ma- is that what they call them? Male wolves. 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 Male. Yeah. 
<laughs> That's what you I know. Hate. What's in my head all the time? Just a random thing that pops in is kitty meow meow. Like <laughs> kitty meow meow. Kitty, kitty kitty meow meow. I think you do that on one episode. I think yeah. It's just been imprinted <laughs> in my brain. Oh my gosh. Ever since yeah. kitty kitty meow meow meow. meow. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like something we would do, Brian. That's yeah. what I'll do next time when I walk by your class. But yeah, so I think we've now introduced you as our geology field baby. Yeah. I love geology field babies. Thanks so, so much for <laughs> giving birth to me baby. <laughs> through, through lovemaking. You're welcome. <laughs> but it's through our love of rocks. Yes. Yeah. That brought us all here it is. in Union. Yeah. It was tough to hear today in a meeting. They're like, yeah, we don't care about the bedrock. I was like, oh, oh. Geologists, we do make that bedrock, though. We do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Hi-yo! <laughs> <laughs> For your puns. I've been thinking. <clears throat> That's scary. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, y'all were saying all geologists have a mustache, and I was like, do I need to grow? Yes. Do I need to let that? mine rock out? Yeah, please. Like, stop shaving it? I, I can't. Yeah. We can't be whiteheads anyway. Yeah, for sure. Like every geologist needs a mustache at one point or another. Like I grew mine out. You remember? Hmm. Yeah, I should shave in mine. Sometime. No, don't shave yours. No, I mean like my beard. To no, me. don't do that. But just grow your mustache out longer. Twirl like the guys. I must ask do. you a question. So I have a very embarrassing story regarding shaving my mustache. Okay. Oh. Um, you know, the thing to do is like sanitize your razor with rubbing alcohol or whatever. No, I've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> no. no so i thought that was a thing like to prevent infection or whatever i mean probably but yeah, I mean. <laughs> anyway so i did that one day before work and as i was sitting down the bottle of rubbing alcohol i splashed it right into my eye oh my god so i'm at work and my eye is just blurring and it's not getting better and like an hour or so has passed so i have to go down to holly and i'm like listen i'm gonna need some science eyewash and she was like why what happened and i was like i'm about to tell you a very embarrassing story involving me shaving my lady stash oh my anyway, gosh that was it and now the whole world will but you hear. it took you like you were already at work and at school and it just that kept was blurring. a long time right my eye wasn't getting better so it just you almost didn't. lost your eye yeah so she just gave me like this big saline solution and i had to stand like For over like, a sink yikes. and yeah. yeah yeah so but i do notice like whenever i play with um hydrochloric acid i clearly don't use like proper i don't know i don't usually wash i wash my hands but i don't know what happens but i always end up getting ocular migraines after i play with oh. hydrochloric well, acid fumes yeah probably yeah but it's like where i like lose like peripheral vision that's and not then... good is that what an ocular migraine is yeah or I think it's so. the one that pulsates well usually what happens for me is that i start seeing like uh like wavy lines like just singular oh lines gosh. and then yeah that my... doesn't sound <laughs> then, then then everything just like starts getting like black and it's just like whoop, and then i get that's... it and then it's weird i don't get like these headaches that follow Yikes. but it's just kind of like i get exhausted Ooh. that's not good no but i think they were more caused by when i had teeth issues and the nerves in my teeth yeah interesting but i always associated i was like well i've always played with hydrochloric acid and it seems like i don't know i'm probably conflating the two do you well i mean you'd probably feel lightheaded too do you no i don't know no but i always stick things in my mouth <laughs> i lick i'm the yeah, i'm the liquor here's the salty I'm brine salty. i'm the liquor and no. carly's the shaver <laughs> oh Oh, yeah. damn. <laughs> All right. I'll take it. All right. Well, then, um, okay. So that is what we've been up to. Well, I guess topic of conversation for new news. What was it? Tuesday? No, Monday night. 
Yeah. Right? That was yep. kind of nuts. So here in the DFW region, we had just a random outbreak of severe storms. Like I didn't even like, usually they're like, oh, the outbreak's going to be good yeah. today or some kind of like prediction. But then I don't remember hearing anything on the news. And it was just like, All I'm sitting up, I'm sitting <laughs> up here in class and they're like, yeah, it might rain this afternoon. Like, you know, thunderstorms at spring, duh. But it was like actually on like the March 21st, like the storm blew in and there was hail and it just blew in really fast in the side sirens and I was in the middle of class and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> there's the sirens going off I'm getting out uh, see you guys later I'm like Angela I'm gonna go outside and look at it but you can't be on the camera in class because we're in the same class and they'll know <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah right so I'm like kids go in the bathroom dad's gonna go outside and look at this thing and it was all to the east of me by like I think a couple miles but yeah. it sounded gnarly like mm -hmm. I don't it just sounded like very it sounded ooh. different yeah and it was constant like this constant um, or something but they were going off you said you were at work carly right yeah. mm -hmm. they were going and off they in were, downtown yeah they're going off but there was damage at samson park yeah yep. that, right? that's where there was one yeah but the thing is is that is southwest of us here yeah and which way do storms blow to the northeast yeah so i mean it was like it's like it's samson park is like directly northeast from where we're, i mean like southwest mm -hmm. from where we're at so we're just like oh i know yeah and but the storms were all the way from there was a long band like even down in austin yeah did you see that uh tornado in round rock of that of that video no. of them in the walmart and they're like get in there get in there's just people like now i really want to watch that yeah. like they're just like straight up strolling in the parking lot and there is a massive tornado <laughs> just like wow <laughs> hold on okay yeah, hold yeah. oh yeah does he have a gun holy a car A car? A car got swept up? Mm. I didn't see it. I don't either, but... Mm. I don't either, but... Holy crap. That's, that's dude, not... I have nightmares about that stuff. Dude, like, but about, did like, you... 20 tornadoes, like, just here can't escape. Oh, kind of like uh, airplane versus volcano? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're fire Actually, volcanoes? Yeah. That was ridiculous. No, but then, like, um, so back to the new news... There, that, that tornado like in Jacksboro, right? Like the kids were letting out of school at the same time that the school was letting out. So all these parents are in driveline going to pick up their kids. And oh my God, that's so the nightmare. sirens started going off. So they all put ducked and covered the kids. And then they came back and they're like, get inside the parents. Yeah. <laughs> and then like cars were like toppled over, dude. And then did you see that school where it's, it was completely the, like the front no. was blown off of it? Wow. And then there was a fire because of a gas leak from it. <sighs> And they had to move the the whole family people. Did family you, people. <laughs> the kids and their parents. <laughs> that was nuts. And then that same storm system ended up the tornadoes in the Ninth Ward in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Like it almost like hit downtown New Orleans, which is nutty. And it's headed towards Mississippi, I guess, right? I think it's still going. Oh my God, a car. <laughs> yeah, that's Pat Tina's cousin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I thought it's like even in Georgia and stuff, it's supposed to get pretty bad. Really? So, that yeah. same line of storms? Dude, that's, that's what I, mm. last I looked in. Anyway, it's crazy. Not cool. Not, Not cool. cool at all. <laughs> Are you comfortable, Carly? Comfortable, Carly. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you have to watch. You have to watch. Me to play it. Oh yeah, you could play it on the Bluetooth. Yeah, you could. It's okay. drunk. Here I come. I gotta get the intoxicated pig. <laughs> Look where I pulled that mash at right there. This pig. <laughs> 
Are you messed up, girl? <laughs> what? Never seen a damn pig. <laughs> yeah, that one here is fine. That one there is fine. <laughs> this one here is turned belly up. <laughs> that one there is fine. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. Shit, the bed on my hole. Come here, girl. <laughs> Oh, hell, oh. I didn't mean to do that. Okay, okay. okay wait a minute. There we go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Shit, the bed almighty. Oh, my God. Wow. Shut up, dog. Shit, shit the bed almighty. Damn, my spend the rest of the night watching this one. Did you see it fall down there? The hill, Brian. Yes. <laughs> what the Shut up, oh guys. <laughs> oh. What the heck? What did it? This one's here. It's fine. This one's <laughs> fine. This one's all messed up. So Jim showed me that. Shout out to Jim. Jim. Oh my God. Dude, that... oh, that's good. <laughs> that big guy rolled down the hill. All right. Well. Well. So tornadoes and drunk pigs. <laughs> Man. Sounds about right. Well, I guess on to, so this is episode 39, or no, episode 44, episode 9 of season 4. Yes. Yes. So we're yes. one more in 45, Oof. but in six more, or I guess five more, we'll be at the the, the, the half century, which yeah. I'm stoked about. I can't believe, like, 50. But so, I guess we, this is kind of, it veered off a little bit of where we're going, because, man, I, okay, so it was going to be about how scientists disagree on climate change, but I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable doing that when trying to cite the other sources because they were very disinformation-y, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense, and then it was like the NIPCC, which is the Non-Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, and if you, and that's kind of like a fringe group, and and I'm not about to give them a platform, <laughs> right? If you will. So, but where it's really came about was Brian. Like, so again, we hung out for like three days in a row. Yeah. And then when hey, we're what the fuck? Sorry. You well, came. we invited yeah. you. <laughs> She's like, I got left at home with the babysitter. <laughs> That's what happened. Yeah. Dad's had to go out. <laughs> oh, I love it. We got to make time for that romance. We went and yeah looked at rocks. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we were at we were at we were at a show on Saturday. And then we got on this kind of, we were discussing science and the questions that we ask that, and then it kind of went into this like qualitative, quantitative thing, right? You were very science rules, everything else (laughs) drools. And I was like, wait, but there's multiple interpretations. There's, you know, it's not always. And then I guess it boiled down to is the the questions that you ask, right? Yeah. And what answer they demand. Well, I mean, it's the the answers are, will come out in the research. So yeah. it's quantitative. I'm just kidding. But qualitative too. <laughs> I know. I'm no, just yeah. messing with you. No, no, no. So yeah. like we got onto this thing and then anyways, it went down this blah, 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 blah. But because, you know, what today we're going to center our discussion on is. Yeah, today we're going to center our discussion around global warming and climate change and the ever-present debate oh. on it. <laughs> Is it happening? Right? Like, no, so, yeah, no, yeah. I think that's a legitimate. So, like, yeah. right, I feel like that is a hot topic of the day. Yeah. And, and furthermore, what are the consequences? Right. Is I it, think that's. Is it really man made? Is it? Et cetera. Et cetera. No, but I feel like that is mm. the mm. issue. It is. Facing yeah. our day and time. 
No, but I would argue that like I'm tackling so hooked right now. <laughs> but, inspired. Yeah. But so I would argue that tackling environmental problems today, right, is really going to be more difficult because the nature of the problems have changed, right? So where such problems were once primarily scientific and technocratic in nature, it's really now it's become almost exclusively a problem of politics. So it's left or right. So <laughs> I figured I wanted to really start off tonight with a quote that I that I read that I thought was pretty good. It's like each pursuit his own best interest ruin is the destination toward which all men rush by Garrett Hardin I feel like that's kind of um, where we're at with this whole issue yeah that's really nice I like that so environmental concerns have been of increasing salience to Americans since right. the 1960s when Rachel Carson published Silent Spring and spurred public anxiety over the use of widely utilized pesticide DDT yeah she's my hero by the way Rachel Carson but the the really the impact of Carson's work was hugely important important both for its eventual impact on regulation in the chemical fertilizer industry and for its role in bringing the environment more resolutely into American political consciousness. Nevertheless, in the period since the EPA was created, the debate over the environment, it became more political and perhaps less rational than any other previous time. Right. Today, right. the politicization, hey. <laughs> politicization of the environment is, is apparent along stark right left lines right and the debate has become subsumed within broad philosophical and, and even theological questions of state versus market and science versus faith see this is where kind of i when i when i saw this was our debate too because when we were talking you were like they're like basically right I view where you were coming from with the when it came to I guess what the the, the, the very quantitative but for people to I guess take it because I think of um, at the same time we're in the real issue of like counter intelligence when it comes to all that like with conspiracy theories yeah. right so but like <clears throat> there is doubt in the institution itself and then right so how do you have faith in the institution I don't know it, it, it gets very tricky and then what led me to even kind of like the because you know we were talking to I know this is a lot of people out of reference and context where maybe people just tuning in right now but we were talking to like kind of the the social aspect of it right and I was like well there is a quantitative aspect but when we talk about do we trust the system right which I feel like scientists do like we have faith in the system we have to question is that institution is it the inherent biases that have been brought up in it and that's kind of like to the point that I was speaking you know, like yeah. like there's not equal representation in the textbooks. There's people left out. And right. even the people coming up with the sciences is a very like Western European mm. philosophy and school of thought. But yeah, we, we definitely <clears throat> got into that. And I finally understood what y'all were what you were saying because yeah. I, I was saying that's a separate problem that's yeah. not that is not a scientific problem as far as like if i'm a geologist i'm not considering that in my data i need i need to understand earth processes right and so whether or not a certain group is involved in presenting that data if i trust that that data is not biased in just talking about that's that's either you know something physical that i can measure or it's it's something that i can count right right and it doesn't matter who's presenting that 
right. as long as it's reputable. The social aspect of that in science is a completely separate issue that that's where I, I was getting hung up and I finally understood that they're two different things. Yeah, right. But then even when we get to reputable, right, it's reputable to who it's or to whom. So there, if you think of the neoliberal university, like, right, it's very geared to, hey, publish. But right, they certain uh, publishing people like, right, they might have biases to where they only are going to publish a certain aspect. So even if your science is right, you're not getting the platform. Therefore, it's not going to be in part of the social yeah. discourse as <laughs> it might be. So I'm like, there is a aspect to it that we should be. And I, and I feel like that's the critical aspect that kind of like that's this program. The, that's the like crutch of academics, though. So yeah, academia, I, I have yeah, a right. different view because we don't waste our time with all that stuff. We need to solve an actual problem rather than, hey, look at my research and what I did. And, you know, no, we, we need something practical that we don't waste taxpayer dollars on that is actually going to be the most affordable way to solve an issue that could impact a lot of people. I would argue even in that statement right there, the most efficient way, it's not always the best way, right? So that that that, that comes from that neoliberal, like, hey, we got to results like fast money is time is sure. money, money is, I don't know. Yeah, so that's where I get like, so it's not always necessarily the most efficient way is the best way it's not but it then you it's really hard to like once again defining the problem yeah and i think that's why what led me to the talk that we're gonna have today is just yeah. that is just kind of you know like to be aware of like just the i don't know the more of the social aspects when it comes to global climate and all of those issues which is like you said a, a political issue it, i mean it it is not only political it it will and does affect us but it's being run and most of the momentum at this point is socially by politics. Yeah, yeah. So it's the 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 social discourse of the yeah. the effects, right? And then that's what the whole technocratic is, right? So it used to be more technocratic in that they would go to experts in their field to get answers. I don't feel like it's that way anymore, no. like because anyone can just like oh, like blah, 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 well, like, anyone can take one Jesus piece and of data. Trump and yeah. guns and, and you know truckers, like anyone can take one piece of data, right? and morph it into whatever they want. Yeah. And, and that happens, unfortunately, even on like stuff that I support. Like I want equality from all races, all sexes. But I oftentimes I see in the news that they'll take one piece of data and put it in out of context enough to where it's like that doesn't that's not what that data is saying yeah and no it's, it's it sucks because i then if someone listening is on the fence and they're like oh wait that's not true so all the rest of this may not be true that's the danger of it yeah but i feel like it's the distrust that it too that it sows in experts too right is they will find like one piece that they messed up maybe like 15 years ago yeah. and they're like oh well the scientist once said that so therefore like i'm going to discredit his entire life's work and that, that's where i get hung up <laughs> too is like you gotta yeah uh i don't i don't That's, think people understand like but if it's not going to affect a person's day-to-day -day life i don't think that they really care one way or the other like is social i mean like is climate change affecting you here no but like that's not the the point of global climate change right it's like the yeah. the effects that we have here are going to be felt globally and yeah. i do feel like the the issue does lie like maybe not in america because we're well buffered but these third world countries they aren't no they they depend on certain industries that will 
suffer and already are right yeah so right so considering really this indiscriminate manner in which we you know all affect and are affected by the environment the, the debate about the future of its protection right is now a diverse hot button campaign issue even just the simple idea of being green is equated to liberal like what we were just talking about and conservatives really are expected to denounce conservatism or conservation really yeah and the future of the environment at home and abroad it appears less certain than ever before, even at a time when its potential to bring serious negative consequences for all humanity is more well known than ever before. Right. So yeah. I hope we're not, we're just going to be nihilistic. No, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe it's the way to go. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. Not a reason. <clears throat> well, okay. So problems that affect large groups <laughs> and require collective action are recognized as some of the most confounding political conundrums, right? Right. So even outside the context of American politics, the environment presents challenges as of a, of a unique character. By their nature, environmental problems are big problems that likewise affect big groups of people and require big solutions. Clean air cannot be achieved merely through regulation of one industry in one part of the country or through the passion of one highly motivated group or individual. That's why I always think it was like it's put on us. Like I feel like all this guilt is put on us. Consumers. Yeah. yeah. And it's big industries. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. but even in, really in this broader sense, clean air can't even be achieved only through the cooperation of one country because it's yeah. everyone's air. Like the world's air. Right. And although like the collective benefit and the provision of some common good might outweigh its collective costs, for the rational individual focused on maximizing her own interests, the costs of participating in the organization often outweigh those individual benefits. See, yeah. right. Even the the words we use. Yeah. So good job for that. I should just put they, but I put his own interest in yeah. there. Oh, yeah. But well, you put but, her. But, but that, some that's people, good. Some people would suggest that where your perception comes from is not a problem. Like in mental health, uh, your hmm. reality is it should be true and I don't actually uh, agree with that but you should be aware of other people's perspective right I mean that's I guess. it's just the language that you use you can use like inclusive language or you can use you can non-inclusive language <laughs> you can do whatever you want to but I don't think that it's going to be as I don't know inclusive you want to try being <laughs> as inclusive as yeah. possible right Today, when I was doing a workshop, I had a handout and I said, yeah, so just take a look at Mr. Template. And then I said, or Mrs. That's what I try to do. Or <laughs> Template. Because yeah. I didn't know what a gender neutral like Mr. or Mrs. would be. They, there. We just don't look even at use this. anything. Look at this. Look at this. Template. Hey, guys. This is a disagreement episode, so we can we can, we can yeah. argue any fact or any side yeah. we want to. But that, that, that just shows that what side is appropriate. And how do you define appropriate? Because in a technical sense, maybe the psychologists are right. But in a social sense, they're not, which is very odd if you think about it. In other words, it is economically more efficient for individuals to free ride in groups that seek to promote common goods. Yeah, and I think this paradox promote. finds particular salience really in this realm where the, the defining feature of most concerns is that they tend to be common problems or problems dealing with the resources that are many and owned by none. Hardin, uh, he described this as the tragedy of commons, if you will, so whereby the, the collective outcome precipitated by many rational individuals is in fact 
quite irrational. The use of common resources, forests, oceans, air, uh, they provide immediate benefit for individuals. And while the benefit appears to come at minimal cost or even to be free, our collective use of these resources without restraint comes at a great future cost. Yeah, right. Yeah. So when one tree is felled to fuel a family fire, that individual utility gain is significant, while the cost is apparently minuscule considering the vast number of trees in a forest. So when, however, you know, the local forest is utilized by thousands, tens of thousands, or many more individuals making a similar calculation, the result is fast-paced <laughs> yeah. deforestation. Yeah, just, yeah, that's interesting, right? Like, I think of the, the rainforest being just cleared out in South mm. America. Yeah. But who are we to say that they can't use those resources? I guess in a more contemporary example, when we get in our cars and drive to work in the morning, the, the uh-huh. emissions of the greenhouse gases or the GHGs, if you will, they're attributable to our drive is so minuscule, if you will. That's a relief. And, yeah, and <laughs> inconsequential as it seems almost non-existent just yeah. on that individual mm. like five minute drive that I make to work. Right, but <laughs> but when thousands or millions, millions of Americans wake up and drive to work, that impact is large enough oh. to change the entire Earth's system. Two factors make these types of problems fundamentally difficult to solve. First, the distribution of costs and benefits is different at the individual and collective levels. Right, and then I think that that, that cost-benefit calculation of individual actors are what is making the, the use common resources a rational decision because really, if we think about it, it's the, the cost of use only accrue at the level of the really the collective. Yeah, and the cost associated with my own greenhouse uh, gas emissions are in isolation essentially zero. Yeah. Second, are those the, coming from your doo-doo maker? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's methane. See, the thing's pretty that healthy. Is a, that's, a, that's a greenhouse yeah, gas. Yeah. But second, the, the temporal distribution of costs and and that and benefits is such that the benefit is typically realized immediately while the cost is not realized until much later. Yeah. yeah. The the tangible gain from using common resources, for example, the profit from cutting down a tree and turning it into floorboards far outweighs any immediate cost to that individual. Yet if many individuals make that same decision, the forest will be destroyed over time. So likewise, the really the utility of my getting to work now far outweighs the distant potential impact of my car's emission. Mm. And these two factors make common problems more difficult to solve and thus often lead to the tragedy that Harden observed. Yes. And <laughs> where... The rationality of the individual. What did he say to me earlier? Use your use your thinking or what did you say? I said? Did I say it? The compass. And you were like, come on. Did I said that? Yeah. That sounds like nothing I would do. Try to think, Carly. Yeah. Think, 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 think. think. Yeah, so right. And then where the collective are more easily held in line, larger groups or interest, if you will, so naturally produce a greater opportunity for individual members to free ride. Interestingly, this produces the counterintuitive capacity for the exploitation of the great by the small in the process of interest articulation. So in other words, it is inherently more difficult for groups formulated around large interests, such as environment, to overcome smaller, more well-organized, e.g. the American Petroleum Institute. Dun, dun, dun. See, I can be critical. <laughs> so the, the inherent collective action challenges facing large groups can be addressed in two ways. So one, either coercive mechanisms are needed to compel membership in large group organizations, or two, selective benefits available only to members are required as inducements. 
Thus, most collective action in the U.S. can be explained either through byproduct or special interest theory. Yeah, so on the the one hand, Brian, the, the special interest theory is used to explain the organization of industries characterized by a small number of firms on the basis of economic rationality of small group action. Whereas the pursuit of collective goods through large interest groups is explained by the fact that such pursuits are a byproduct of some of the others by the group. So in addition to lobbying for the collective good mm-hmm. huh. so mm. question mm. answer environmental problems are collective action problems likely to suffer from the tragedy of the commons how can they be addressed that's a good question i would say one solution to i guess really this type of problem conventionally conceived i guess is located in the restructuring of the cost benefit calculations or something of individuals such as the rational decision um, really, I guess, is no longer one leading towards inevitable depletion or destruction. Yeah, regulating the commons, so controlling who has access, how much access, or right. um, how a finite resource should be distributed. Let's see, yeah. Structuring the decision process and merging inter- individual and collective rationality. So I think, right, uh, this brings to the forefront really these ethical concerns who holds the keys to the resources, right? What you were just saying, which I feel like that's why equity inclusion is such a big deal because who has a seat at the table is going to affect who gets part of the pie and that's a thing that pisses me off to no end is that you see rich white people being like like don't they you know everything's equitable like right now equal it's because they're not asking to take anything from you they just want a piece of it right and i think that will um Mm -hmm. be a perfect segue into i guess the back half because it's going to be more of the ethical concern so tangent here one thing that i found really interesting in class is how you were talking about the windmills no that was tide generated power yeah and so one thing i didn't think about like i think you said something that those are also going to you said some kind of term like precious minerals or finite resources it was something about minerals and but the rare earth yes rare rare earth elements elements. and so that i really wanted to know more about they're not necessarily rare well usually for the for you to have a substantial amount right you need certain deposits that are not as widespread as like the rest like rare earth elements are in everything yeah um in your basic See, i didn't granites. know that but the, mm. there's like the lanthanide series that's a good one to look up so it it's that, that bottom row right yeah the um, top bottom row yeah and so you you have those um but that's like our cell phones and all that like you need a lot of rare earths to do that but only certain and i may misspeak so i hope someone out there will correct me but usually you would find an overabundance of these in certain pegmatites right or or just any enriched rock that had and usually it's pegmatites because they have the fluid will allow that to concentrate in this like last stage granitic kind of body right but you can get that like it's it's not like lithium so much but like samarium neodymium that kind of thing yeah but to refine them is Is really bad for the environment so look up uh baotau mongolia yeah they got they have a lot it's a dystopian so they have like (laughs) a toxic sludge lake that they put all of their uh i guess just slag what do they call it what is it the all that i don't know what they call that water send out so that will go to all the rest of the world in all of our um, modern commodities. And that's when I say China gives no fucks. But so then yeah. that becomes a dilemma too, right? If China's doing it, 
You better believe that you, we don't want to... Nah, <laughs> I know I know there are some rare earth element uh, mines here in North America. But most of it is from China mining. So I think that's what yeah. we get to in the second half, right? <clears throat> is that even when we think about... I think one of the issues too, how on the flip side, if we want to talk about how our perceptions of climate change and all of that, like, oh, we're making a difference. Like, look, is it getting nicer? Because what we've done rather than just keep filling our landfills. So when we thought we were recycling, we were just shipping a lot of it to China, right? China's like, well, we're not taking your stuff anymore. So but anyways, it's a it's a very tricky, slippery slope. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like, what can we do to do it better? But are we really making a difference when we're just, we're not going to do it here, but we're going to allow other countries to do it in. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I Glad think this, please. this brings us into <laughs> starting our sponsor for the, for the, the beach cleanup. And yeah, then yeah. <laughs> that takes us up into a little bit of mineral. Mm. Uh. Uh. Mineral minutes. Mineral. Mineral. Mineral minutes. Mineral. So this week's mineral was brought to you by the Zanucalite. Zanucalite. Chemical formula ZN12, CAUO2, CO3, 3OH22, time for water. Zanucalite. Is a translucent mineral with a silky luster. Zunicolite with T90 by Peter Andras Francisic Wasilowski <laughs> and R. Ribka for its chemical composition containing zinc, uranium, and calcium. <clears throat> Zunicolite is white to yellow in color and streaks white. <laughs> so Zunicolite is biaxial oh, negative with a 2V angles measured to be 50 degrees to 60 degrees and calculated oh. to be 66.4 degrees calculated. <clears throat> Zunicolite type locally comes from... <laughs> From Little Mine, Cernojamski Cern- <laughs> Deposit, Black Pits Deposit, Brezov, that's, uh, that's Brezovori, or Region, Birkenberg, Prebram District, Central Bohemian Region, Czech Republic. Zunicolite has moderate surface relief with <laughs> strong dispersion and has optical extinction inclined about nine degrees. Type description. Zunicolite crystals are thin lamellar to 100 microns in spherical box work like <laughs> aggregates from coatings forms coatings zanucleite is orthothrombic and geological setting of type material is described as an oxidation product on urinite bearing dump dump materials <laughs> mm. uh. okay so anyways on the back half okay so the ethical concerns so in you know as i think the one of the big things is overpopulation and we were talking about using finite resources you know just 50 years ago the population was about 2.5 and i want to say that what by the year 2050 expected to be close to 10 billion people yeah so during this time of dramatic population growth if you will not only because of the huge increase in our numbers but 
Also, because of the new technical power to dig deeper, we can also cut faster, we can build larger, and we can traverse quickly and at great distances in automobiles, boats. Uh -huh. So as a result, serious new environmental problems really have emerged on a global scale. And these problems include global climate change, worldwide loss of forest and yeah. um, wetlands, long-range transport of toxic substances, decline of coastal ocean quality, and degradation of the world's freshwater and ecological systems. All, which mm. we've done podcast episodes have, on. Yeah. Every single one of those. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, these new threats raise critical new ethical questions for the human race. Even some of the most obvious ethical dimensions of emerging global environmental problems are only dimly seen by most. Rarely are they part of the public debate. Yet yeah, there's little evidence that global environmental problems feel urgent to most Americans or people. There are several reasons why. Yeah, and unlike the brutal television images of dogs and police attacking defenseless civil rights marchers that galvanized the public in the early 60s, there is little direct visible evidence that demonstrates how human suffering is being caused in the mm -hmm rest of the world, especially from the profligate use of fossil fuels in the United States of America. America. <laughs> Capitalism. Yeah. And so for you to, or for like people in general to understand the climate change problem well enough to trigger deep moral concern, one must understand things that are not immediately evident to the naked eye. So something such as how the burning of fossil fuels in the United States may affect distant people and an even more distant and abstract posterity. Can I just ask you one? Did you say naked? Did I say? You said naked. Mm. Naked. 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 N-E-K-K-I-D. I am Texan. I'm a native. Native. You know. What does that what does that even mean? Yeah. Colonial is. Oh fuck. No one's native. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Kidding. I come from the, the desert. Water. The desert. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that song. <laughs> That's crazy there, Fort Worth band. Yeah. I want to play with them one day. I do too. Well, we have to learn to see the amount of coal <laughs> and oil burning in one country may affect temperatures in many others. Yeah, right. To what we were kind of talking about earlier. So we must be able to really visualize concretely how the use of certain pesticides in one of the worlds um, is threatening through long range air transport. Right. So then human health and the environment in one in other places of the globe. Yeah, we also must see that high levels of paper consumption in the developed world is leading to the destruction of forests in the developing world. Yeah, kind of a sad thing is that most ethical systems and our intuitive ethical sensitivity are focused on our responsibilities to people who are close by and can be directly affected by our actions. Right. Yeah, the technical power that humans now have to affect adversely people they will never meet is is a challenge for most uh for such ethical systems right i would imagine out of sight out of mind mm. right yeah. if yeah. you don't see it it's not really affecting you so is this right or just <laughs> particularly if those who are most harmed are least responsible for the problem yeah right yeah vested, i don't know is well, it are they hey is it Vested interests have, in addition, often diverted public debate from ethical reflection by focusing on what appear to be value-neutral issues of cost-benefit analysis, anal lysis, risk assessment, and scientific uncertainty. The debate appears to revolve around facts and thus hides a host of dubious ethical assumptions. No, yeah, right. Asshole. So cost or no facts. Asshole. But if we look at a few emerging environmental problems, such as climate change and the diminishing biodiversity, in order to identify some of the more important ethical issues often hidden in the public debate about these matters. What we see is that natural forces and human activities 
are influencing the global climate. Dun, dun, dun. So the in the this context, so the greenhouse effect, right? So this allows incoming solar radiation to pass through the Earth's atmosphere. Earth is absorbing that radiation. So I think, okay, so I'm just going to back up here. So I feel like a lot of people when you're like, hey, climate change, global warming, blah, blah, blah. Like first ask yourself, do I know what global warming is? Do I even know how the atmosphere is heated, right? Yeah. I feel like a lot of conversations will break down like how do you, if you don't really have an understanding of how well have you looked up on mm -hmm. the issue to even make claims i'm just saying like it would be nice if you had there is a requirement that have the conversation you have to know what it is what you're kind of talking about right so otherwise because what it is there's an assumption like oh the sun's coming in the earth is getting hotter that's not how it works our atmosphere is not heated by solar radiation yeah. at all so the sun coming in does not heat by up the atmosphere volcano farts no <laughs> the earth absorbs the solar radiation it's coming in as short wave wavelengths and then it re-radiates it back out as long wave radiation and then the greenhouse gases it vibrates them hmm. and that vibration releases heat back down so where it would normally just go back yeah, out it can't pass through it can't pass through because of that it it's operating on a certain frequency and it the the co2s the methanes they it's it, it excites them and then since it re-radiates yeah, the heat it's back. long wave it doesn't have a way to basically like a squiggling guy would make it through, but a not squiggling guy wouldn't. That's how the greenhouse effect works. It limits the cooling mechanism. Yes. More so than it's heated. Man, you're cutting out a lot today, buddy. Yeah. Is it like, is there a bar right there? No, I think yeah, so. Yeah, you need to go straight on. Yeah. So, yeah. So, again, so it's escaping <laughs> into outer space and really it's this natural process. But I do feel like people, let's clarify it so if we can explain it now and we're all operating at the at the same level. So we're not speaking above or below anybody. Yeah. We're speaking to. Speaking to and with. Yes. With. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Man, it is so crazy now. Natural greenhouse gases include water vapor, carbon dioxide, ozone, mm. and other trace gases. Uh, yeah. With mm. Such as what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Carly. Go. Doo-doo gases. Yeah. I'm, we're just fine. We're fucking with you. From cows. <laughs> Without the greenhouse effect, life on Earth as we know it would not exist. Emissions no. from some greenhouse gases are human activities. <laughs> no. And these. Get out. Create an enhanced greenhouse effect. You should yeah. have a fart sound. That was perfect. You, you have to start it again? <laughs> yeah, I would have to do it again. Okay. All right. But so these anthropogenic oh. human-induced greenhouse gases include carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide, ozone-depleting substances, right? Uh, many more. And then human activities have altered the chemical composition of the atmosphere. And as a result, the Earth's climate is ultimately changing yeah over the past 200 years emissions from cars power plants other human inventions they've led to about a 30 percent increase in the national concentration of carbon dioxide and more than a hundred percent increase in atmospheric concentration of methane it's a molecule to molecule yeah. it's 80 times greater than carbon dioxide yeah globally the average temperature of the earth it's warmed over 0.55 degrees centigrade since the mid 19th century when measurements actually began and then our our, our friends at the IPCC, an organization created by the, the UN to study global warming, concluded in 95 that the, the scientific assessment that the, the balance of evidence, if you will, suggests a discernible human influence on global climate. Well, you know what? 
What? In another more recent assessment, the IPCC has concluded that there is new and stronger evidence that most of the warming observed over the last 50 years is attributable to human activities. I don't think there's any denying that. So <laughs> in other words, humans have already begun to change Earth's climate, I guess. But the question we could ask, is it already too late to prevent some of that damage to mm. the climate system itself? Continued addition of greenhouse gases to the environment will further alter the global climate and it'll cause increasing temperatures, but also as well as changes in um, rainfall and other weather weather pa- patterns. Patterns? Pat- patterns. Wetter patterns? Patterns. Wetter. Wetter. Anyways, the, the IPCC. So, where's, but anyways. Where's this- cobalt today? Oh, I was going to say it when it was like, mm. it's so cold. I love cobalt. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> Okay, so the IPC concluded that the that that unless the world takes steps, I guess pretty significantly, even the the verbiage that you use now is quite dire. But anyways, to take steps to reduce emissions of greenhouse gases and global temperatures could rise between one to five, maybe even six to seven, eight, nine, ten degrees by the year twenty one hundred. You know, although <laughs> there are still some scientific uncertainties about the timing magnitude, the regional impact of such changes there is strong evidence that they will have significant consequences for humanity and the environment. Ah, man. And then I guess on that assumption that the climate systems respond without sudden nonlinear surprises to greenhouse gas buildups, the projected planetary (laughs) effects of increased warming (laughs) include higher average global precipitation with some parts of the earth becoming drier, while others are becoming wetter. Yeah. Yeah. Also a rise in sea level of 0.09 to 0.88 meters by 2100. Dang. Uh, changes in regional climate and vegetation. Dang. Changes <laughs> in the productivity of agricultural lands. God dang. Increases in the intensity and severity of tropical storms. Dang. Okay, so public anal YSS of the of these problems are often limited to scientific and economic concerns, right? So I feel like as a scientist, like we bring the science and then also, but we also, I always bitch about the, the economics and the neoliberal kind of agenda, yet the ethical aspects kind of with what we're bringing up now of the environmental problems need to be become more central in the public discourse. Yeah, so for one reason, the failure to consider the ethical aspects means that decisions will be made that are inadvertently unjust or unethical. So the current generation in the developed world will treat unfairly the interests of future generations and poor people who do not have a say in environmental policy. Second, solutions to our most pressing environmental problems will require concerted action involving almost all the nations of the earth. Most right, nations, I think that's big. Yeah. yeah. Most nations, they're, they're going to be unlikely to agree to such a concerted action unless they believe that they are being treated fairly and ethically. Right. And I think they've done modeling to show that the, the effects of climate change are not distributed equally around the world. Right. So... <laughs> I always think to my father-in-law, like he's like, well, it, it snowed here. Like it's not global warming. <laughs> but actual temperature differences will likely vary greatly according to the location, with projected increases much smaller in the tropics than in the regions near the pole. Which, duh, what are we seeing in Antarctica? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like it's the people don't realize that too, and it's also like heating up in the oceans because you're not too. there. Yeah, because they're not they're out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And the thing is, decreases in precipitation are expected in some areas, while precipitation is expected 
projected to increase in others. So climate models show that the poorest people around the world are the most vulnerable to climate change. Right. Poorest nations are most vulnerable mm. to storms, flooding and the rising sea level. So uh, what we did that showed like the estimates about 46 million people per year currently yeah. are really at risk of flooding due to storm surges. Oh. Yeah. Quite yeah. significant. Mm. Yeah. And with like absence of safety measures and without taking into account anticipated population growth, a 50 centimeter sea level rise would increase this number to about 92 million. Jesus. A one meter sea level rise would raise it to 118 million. Dang. Seven studies <laughs> using no, a one meter projection show a particular risk for the small islands and deltaic regions. Yeah, so I, whenever I do the oceanography, when we were online, I had them do reports and a student actually did one about like the, the Seychelles, seashells, the Seychelles, seashells. The seashells. seashells. Yeah, about how that island is just like disappearing rapidly. Yeah, so yeah. some small island nations and other countries will be more vulnerable because their existing sea and coastal defense systems are less well established. Yeah, and then countries with higher population densities will be more vulnerable. Good. Yeah, storm yeah. surges and flooding could threaten <laughs> entire cultures. For these countries, a sea level rise could force an internal or international migration of Dang. populations. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, so uh, I'll... Sorry, this is sad. But like Bangladesh, yeah. for example, right, I think too, is a densely populated country, right, what you're talking about, Carly, of about 120 million people what? located in the complex delta region of the Ganges, Brahmatura, and the Meghna rivers. So about 7% of the country's habitable land with about 6 million people is less than one meter above the sea level. And about 25% of about 30 million people is below the three meter contour. So Bangladesh is already extremely vulnerable to damage from storm surges. Storm surges in uh, November of 1970 and April of 1991, they're believed to have killed over 250,000 and 100,000 people respectively. Dang. In these areas, yeah. In addition to raising the vulnerability of <laughs> such regions, such as catastrophic flooding, climate change increases the threat that tropical storms will be harmful. Dang. Mm. Dang. Dang. The sad thing, though. Dang, dang. <laughs> is that the poorest nations have the least financial <laughs> and institutional ability to adapt to climate change. And they are really the least prepared to spend money on strategies that might allow them to adjust to hotter and drier climates. And these more violent storms, rising sea levels, degraded agricultural resources, and increased burdens on human health organizations. When I think about a violent storm, I feel like I think about diarrhea. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> the, the it's, great equalizer. It's violent for everybody. It is. Everybody in the house. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> I was just going to bullshit. I was going to say Literally that when I think about the most violent storm, I think about when Ursula gets the Triton oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, she that like sticks pretty. it in the water and she swirls it, swirls it around. And um, I think she creates a, is it a male? Males? Are you making fun of me for my <laughs> class today? Was that what that was in my class today, right? Or no, yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> you talked about Ursula. I did. <laughs> I loved it so much. Because my students don't get a lot of the references that I get or give them. Like, right. So I made the Monty Python. They didn't understand. Oh, like, wow. so I'll, I'll hop around my class and be like, 
Oh my god, they don't get that? No. Oh. Because like I was trying to get them to remember neep tides. So I was like, well, neep. think of it like <laughs> I didn't get that until you brought up the chart because you know I hadn't been in classes uh, previous. Yeah. And so then when I saw the chart, I wanted to be like, oh my god, neep, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand kids these days. Neep. What but are they interested in? Like how can not we connect good. to them? No. <laughs> if they don't like Monty Python. What is yeah, it? they don't know what it is. <laughs> What so are current shows Euphoria. I don't know what that I is. I don't know what that is. But uh, um, but yeah. So the maelstroms. <laughs> the, we were talking about whirlpools, and I'm like, they're not these big massive things like Ursula <laughs> circling. Like they're not these big massive things. Like right, they're no, not going to yeah. sink. But anyways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Many countries cannot afford food imports, Dang. irrigation systems, <laughs> large scale public works to prevent flooding, or even costly health protection. Get out strategies Dang. no he's literally asking you to get out <laughs> he is he's like leave <laughs> oh <laughs> <laughs> in the poorest nations the capacity for research analysis and policy development is generally weak yet it is precisely the poor who will be the most vulnerable to the unanticipated shocks of climate change Right. So then I guess how much degradation from human induced climate change should be tolerated by the international community, I guess, is um, one issue that has been brought up. So to, to solve the climate change problem, governments will eventually, I think, really have to agree at what level to stabilize greenhouse gases in the atmosphere. So under the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change or the un. All right. Governments have agreed to take action to stabilize greenhouse gases at the level that prevents dangerous anthropogenic interference with climatic systems. Mm -hmm. Yet neither the unfuck <laughs> nor subsequent <laughs> negotiations have been able to agree on a level that is dangerous. The level at which greenhouse gases are stabilized will ultimately determine how much damage to human and non-human interest is tolerated. For instance, nations could agree to stabilize greenhouse gases at a level that protects human health, but also allows significant damage to endangered species and ecological systems. Dang. <laughs> da dang. So therefore, the, the decision about the ultimate <laughs> level of stabilization raises serious ethical questions about what the duties of human beings are to other forms of life, as well as our duties to future generations and to those in poverty who will suffer the most from the human-induced climate change. At the third conference of the parties to convention in Kyoto in 1977. 1997. 1997. Right. Yes. Uh, the developed nations agreed to reduce greenhouse gases and gases gases yeah we don't need any of those either <laughs> gas gas emissions <laughs> by five percent on average below 1990 levels this really is only a small percentage of what will needed to i guess what will really need to stabilize greenhouse gases in the atmosphere i feel like that's just like an awfully low number and then the the international community has really yet to face the issue of setting an ethically defensible level of these gases is the absence of scientific certainty about the consequences of human-induced climate change a valid excuse for not taking the protective action? Yeah, right. So another ethical concern. So the, yeah. the opposing U.S. intervention often argue that no action should be taken on climate change until scientific uncertainties about the impact of climate change are resolved. Yeah, so, you know, fucking Americans. America. Yeah. Their insistence on eliminating uncertainties violates the unfuck. A document ratified by the United States in which the signatories agreed not to use scientific uncertainty as an excuse for not taking action. So I like the, I like the word signatories. Yeah, that's good. 
signatories. Although, th- so there are still some scientific uncertainties about the timing in oh. magnitude of climate change. Many facts are not in dispute. Dang. So we know, for instance, how naturally occurring greenhouse gases warm gases. the planet, right? <laughs> gases. How these greenhouse gases absorb infrared radiation. We've talked about this. There have been strong correlation in the historical record between <laughs> levels of greenhouse gases and temperatures. The most recent IPAC assessment yeah. identifies numerous additional areas where scientific uncertainties have been entirely resolved or where uncertainties persist, but adverse global consequences are highly unlikely. And then this is kind of why I didn't want to use like the NIPCC because they were just like (laughs) just flying in the face of all of this. So I was like, no. But we know that human induced change in greenhouse gases in the atmosphere will change the climate in a way that will cause great damage. Like, no, duh. Mm. (laughs) Dang. What about, do y'all want to know like what we don't know with certainty? Oh, you know what? Forget it. I try to think. It's not going to pan out. What we do not know with certainty, given nonlinear feedback mechanisms in the climate system, is the actual timing and magnitude of the change. Right. That's interesting. So the, the, the situation really poses an important ethical question. So is scientific uncertainty about the timing and magnitude of climate change a valid excuse for really not taking action? Those who argue that nations have an ethical responsibility to act now can list a number of good reasons for their position. One of them, the adverse potential impacts on human health and the environment from human-induced climate change are enormous. Yeah, so the effects, again, on the poorest people of the world are disproportionate. The real potential for harsh climate surprises much greater than indicated by the often quoted predictions that rely on assumptions of linear responses to climate change. Yeah, and then much of the, the science of the climate change problem has never been in dispute, and some damage from human activities is likely already taking place the likelihood is strong that serious and irreversible damage will be experienced before all the uncertainties can be eliminated delay runs risks of its own the longer nations wait to take action the more difficult it will be to stabilize greenhouse gases at levels that do not create enormous damage yeah so is it legitimate for any nation to refuse to take action until All nations agree on a least cost solution. So this third argument against the United States taking immediate action is based on the idea that the U.S. has a right to insist upon an international regime that will reduce U.S. costs. Many have argued that the United States should not unilaterally reduce greenhouse gases. Gases. Gases until the details of a worldwide system for trading carbon are agreed to. Yeah, so at the Anfuk in Kyoto, (laughs) the U.S. successfully promoted various market-based mechanisms to trade property rights, property rights in the carbon reductions. Although the general framework of these trading mechanisms was agreed to in Kyoto in 1997, many of the details are still contentious. Um, Yet the United States, they insist on waiting until an international trading regime is in place before taking domestic action. Right, right. And then to establish such a regime, I think that a, a large number of complex issues will first need to be worked out, such as how to develop an international baseline for carbon sources, right? Legitimate. Ding! How to avoid cheating from projects that do not actually reduce greenhouse gases. Ding! How to keep track of whether carbon reductions have occurred. Ding! How to avoid giving credit for improvement that would happen without climate change programs. Ding! 
how to measure credit for carbon sequestration projects in forest and agriculture when it's not clear what carbon reductions will permanently be achieved by such projects. Ding! Or how to decide if a rich country like the U.S. should be allowed to achieve all of its legally required reductions by buying credits from poor nations that will sell them. Because of the Ding. complexities <laughs> entailed by any scheme to implement a trading regime, insisting that all the details be worked out in advance could delay for years any agreement on reductions. Dang. <clears throat> Given that the United States is currently the nation emitting the most greenhouse gases. Oh, oh way to go. sorry, sorry. Gashes. Yeah. It is ethically dubious <laughs> for it to make universal agreement on trading rules a precondition for American action to reduce emissions. Right. So one of the most important ethical issues entailed by the trading controversy mm. therefore is whether a nation that is emitting large amounts of pollutant that is likely to cause great damage can use a valid excuse for not taking edge of my seat action <laughs> the fact that other nations will not agree to a trading regime that might reduce costs whoa there are dang finally dang. <laughs> several other ethical issues raised by americans uh, american approach to establishing a trading regime they include questions of whether the atmosphere's capacity to absorb safely some amount of greenhouse gases should be divided up into property rights um, that can be bought and sold, and whether a trading regime based on an inequitable allocation among nations is just. What national targets for reducing greenhouse gashes are equitable? Right. So then in addition to the for allowing the efficiency to trump ethical concerns, the trading regime here suffers from another potentially serious ethical problem in that it can only be ethically benign if the preliminary allocation is just. Before trading can take place, nations, they must agree on fair allocation of emission allowances that will become the baseline of the new system. And because the U.S. here is has between four to five percent of the world's population, but it emits 22% of the greenhouse gases, right? Uh, its final share of allowable emissions ought to really, I guess, the take into consideration its disproportionate responsibility for the problem itself. Yeah, in, in Kyoto in 1997, the United States agreed to a 7% reduction below the 1998 levels, as I said before. This was a first step in, towards reducing greenhouse gases, but only a small step. Far greater levels of reduction will be needed to stabilize greenhouse gases in the atmosphere at safe level. Here's the thing. So... <laughs> To achieve that goal, all of the world's nations will need to reduce emissions by 50 to 80% below the level of emissions in 1990. <laughs> like I think we did see a little bit of that. We did see during during COVID, during COVID when the world yeah. shut down, yeah. like it kind of, then they could actually hear the hum of the earth, which was kind of, that was amazing. Which was kind of neat. But then did you see that thing in South Africa, that documentary? Like, I don't know. It was really cool. I think it's on Apple. Oh, mm. Anyways, but given the variation in historical and cumulative emissions, current total and per capita emissions in factories such as wealth, energy, structures, and resource endowment, what are equitable national caps for greenhouse gas emissions? Like, how do we even quantify that, Mr. Quantitative? <laughs> well, some developing nations have argued that distributive justice demands that national allocations be based on a per capita calculation. I mean, I think the U.S. has resisted really this discussion of equitable basis for determining the national responsibilities. <laughs> so despite the fact that that ratifying the the United States has agreed that each nation should reduce its emission according to equitable criteria. You know what? 
What? what? I say we have a duty to protect biodiversity. Yeah. Don't ask what biodiversity can do for you. Ask, you. ask what you can do for biodiversity. So then you're yeah. going to want to sit in on my pollution class All right, hey. because I'll tell you right now, I always throw in this curveball. So I always, I'll put up these evoking images of uh, like pollution or like things being stuck in animals like noses. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a picture of a seal with its with like, like this, a milk. No, oh. well, like the, the, like the postal straps, mm. but it's yeah. like clearly choking him. And then like, you can see that well, it, it evokes some kind of emotion. And then I'll s sit there and I'll look at the students and I'll say, fuck seals. <laughs> oh my God. But it's like a baby seal. Yeah. It looks sad. Like, what do they do? They're like, oh, <laughs> you, you're, you don't normally hear teachers say fuck no. seals. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be great though. But then I'm like, I'm just kidding. Like, fuck them though. <laughs> <laughs> And then we go into it. But yeah, so the loss of biodiversity raises the ethical question of human responsibility to protect plants <laughs> and animals. So the utilitarian, dentological, biocentric, ecocentric, and feminist ethical ways of thinking about biodiversity loss may lead to different conclusions about duties to preserve plants, animals, and... Some argue that the duty to protect plants and animals stems from their value for human uses. Those who base the value of plants and animals on human use, they often attempt to quantify mr quantify <clears throat> that value by measuring their pot potential market value in the form of food pharmaceuticals so fibers sad. and petroleum substitutes give me some numbers five <laughs> three great yet others argue that plants and animals have intrinsic value and should be treated as sacred objects rather than as material for human consumption so uh i guess it raises if if biodiversity has a value that cannot be quantified so Mr. Qualif quantitative um, in market qualitative, not quantitative, Mr. Qualitative yeah. in market transactions. It should not be treated as a commodity in a cost benefit in a lysis. But <laughs> here's the thing. I like things. Who should pay for the like protection that. of biodiversity? I think that's a good question. But the when we think about the greatest losses of biodiversity that are occurring, right, they're actually happening in these species-rich tropical areas and in other places inhabited by many of the world's poorest people. So it's getting brought back to these poorest people. So in many places, poor people threaten biodiversity by clearing forests to grow food. Mm. Yeah, as a result, if richer nations do not assist the poorer nations, a great degree... <clears throat> <clears throat> A great degree of the world's biodiversity would be lost. Moreover, other species-rich areas and poorer nations are threatened by activities such as logging. See, but I even have an issue with that statement of why do... You know what I'm saying? It, it sets it up like we're uh, somehow holier than thou. Like, oh... Like, we got to come in and save you type thing. Like, they they need right. to be rescued. It comes, it's mm. like a very imperialistic uh, kind of point of view. I'm just putting it out there. It, yeah, it could be spun that way, I think. But it doesn't mean that's the only interpretation for that. Yeah, right. No, I got you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, if y'all want to laugh. I know my parents were, like, very concerned about me and at a certain stage where I was very obsessed with interview for a vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah. <gasps> All right, use your pauses. Didn't okay. need to know. That's on you, Carls. You're right. So to, you were saying something about to relieve the relieve. grinder. Mm. Mm. In order... Mm. In order mm. to... <laughs> 
In order to mm. relieve grinding poverty, poorer <laughs> nations have been encouraged by richer nations to exploit natural resources for right. export. And then really for this reason, there's right an indirect causal link between the uses of resources in the developed world and then their exploitation in the developing world. Although the richer nations have provided limited funds to protect biodiversity in poorer nations, the richer nations often deny that they have any special responsibility to protect biodiversity. Right. And then the, the many international meetings on biodiversity have been marked by bitter disagreement between the rich and poor nations about who should pay for this protection. These environmental problems, like the problems of human-induced climate change and loss of biodiversity, raise the ethical question of our human duty to protect animals and plants from destruction by human behavior and of the responsibilities of the developed world to the developing world. So then the, the, the use of organic chemicals in any nation can cause damage elsewhere. So both ocean and freshwater degradation are being caused in part by climate change that is largely caused by the really these developed nations. Mm -hmm. And so for these and several other environmental problems, there is a direct causal link between activity in the developed world and damage in the developing world. For <laughs> other problems, the casual connection is indirect i jumped the gun pew pew, pew, pew. so for instance some of the, the the damage to the coastal areas and water supplies in these developed worlds are being caused by manufacturing and resources extraction resource extraction in poor nations to meet high level of consumption in richer nations marine ecosystems in coastal areas around the world are being seriously threatened by urbanization and the aquatic aquatic <laughs> like that aquatic aquatic uh, aquatic lotion <laughs> <laughs> the aquatic pollution it creates recent losses of coral reefs around the world are of particular <laughs> concern right and humans are also endangering marine food supplies by over exploiting fish stocks also the world's freshwater supply <laughs> oh is under great threat okay from overuse there is a video where um okay i can't think of the <laughs> name of the movie but it's with jack nicholson he's a murderer they're in an abandoned hotel um there's psycho shining there's, or the site, yeah. Yeah, okay. So someone has changed it to where, like, Jack Nicholson is Daffy Duck's duck or something. <laughs> it's really good. I'll try to find it. Okay. So You've I'll, never seen The Shining? I just didn't know the name. Oh, is, it, name? Okay. is it Psycho? It escaped me. No, the I think Shining, it is The Shining. The Psycho Shining is, is Christian Bale, right? Well, no. remake, but... The Shining is when he's the great, yeah. it's the hotel. He takes care of it yeah. in the winter when yeah. it's in the off months. Yeah. Okay. But Psycho is yeah. the That's motel. That's the Bates motel where it's like the mom and son kind of weird thing. Okay. I'm yeah. thinking, okay, y'all are probably right. I'm probably wrong. I don't know. But also the world's freshwater supply is under great threat from overuse, expanding populations and pollution. So almost a billion people do not have adequate drinking water and diminishing freshwater supplies, especially threaten the poor. Right, so I think we keep getting to the point of poor people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so moreover, the cost of mitigating toxic ocean and freshwater problems is much more onerous for developing nations. For example, there exists worldwide evidence is growing of threats to ecosystems and human health caused by long-range air pollution. There is particular concern about a class of chemicals generally referred to as persistent organic pollutants, or PAPs. <laughs> Paps or uh, not pap, not paps. not like a pap smear. Yeah, not that, but maybe. Well, no, uh, <laughs> an environmental pap smear. Let's yeah. invent it. 
They're mm. receiving international attention because they're too toxic to humans and animals and they don't degrade readily in the environment. They tend to bioaccumulate and often change from a solid to a gaseous phase. They're by they travel long distances in the air before they're redeposited in the environment. Yeah, right. And the, the scientific evidence here is mounting that some of these POPs cause a variety of genetic, reproductive, and behavioral abnormalities in the wildlife and humans and may be associated with the increase in incidence in humans of cancer and neurological deficits. And progress in solving these problems depends on deciding who should pay for the protection of global environmental resources. And this is an issue for or of distributive justice. So that was that. And just Brian, because we haven't done it in so long. Just to reset, I feel like, yeah, that was a lot. So yeah, the the one thing, because this is running long and I got to wake up early in the morning, I'm sure yes. we all do. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say, how cool would it be to open a show with this? We can just talk about it for like two minutes before we go. Okay. Initializing audio system test sequence in three, two, one. Textures initiate. Pass. Static frequencies engage. Pass. Subsonic bass begin. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Who is that? I see stars. Oh, yeah. Okay. I just, I don't know why I've never heard of them up That's until really like, cool. dude, I heard that, that subsonic bass. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Fail. Fail. I like starting shows with sound snippets or, or whatever. We did one with the, a NASA like launch at one time. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It was fun. But you had to play to clip yeah. tracks, right? Well, I mean, you could or couldn't. But if you wanted to have that kind of like, yeah, yeah, I can't. I'm trying to work on how to do like the four, three, 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 one, two, up, but about the math game. Anyways, yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure it out. Like I'm starting to write some heavy stuff like that. Cool. In that drop, in that drop B tuning. But all right, so uh, yeah, I guess that was kind of a all over the place episode. It was, uh, but I guess it, it highlights some of the issues. Good stuff, surrounding though. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it just raises the consciousness of just the overall conversation 
and to get people thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so they will actually talk about it. Right. Because there's blind spots that we're all like, I guess we need to be aware of to help us prevent kind of like address. Or I guess I guess just move the conversation forward so it hopefully becomes less politicized. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I guess until next time that uh, reminds us or let us remind you to be cool. Stay tuned. And keep it on, on the, the rocks. rocks. Boom. 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 There it is. <laughs> Can you tell I listened to the podcast? Yeah, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Mm. We probably stop making it so long yeah we'll have to we for a while we're setting a timer thing yeah because there were some there were some last year that we had to have i'm doing soft boy stuff hot boy looking for rock humor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> i said doo-doo we, in class today ah yeah. oh, you bitch Fancy seeing you here. You know what's a great idea? Lasers on sharks. <laughs> yeah. Because I made all of them see. I don't have yeah. to share my toys. Okay. Are you conservative? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. oh, you want me to read now? Okay. <laughs> like, if y'all want to laugh. One Jesus and Trump and guns. Yeah. Did that make y'all uncomfortable? No. Listen, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's how Carly was born. You didn't do that. (laughs) You talked about Ursula. I did. I don't do that. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Hard hard, uh, SOCs. (laughs) The <laughs> unfuck. Tis but a flesh wound. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> Your arms off. <laughs> oh. Signatures for the poor. Signature. Please, sir, can I have a signature? Save my country. Wow. (laughs) My country. (laughs) My country. (laughs) I need signatures. Oh my God, did you see that? No. It does. It. It, 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 is it ledit led blah blah led ledit it ledit it, it. <laughs> rather than adds material a great devi gavi gavi lil good devi let's be a diversal ganges gongus ganges it's ganges right ganges I have a wife but I just have like a lot of love to give yeah. love a good penis sandwich well, we got to make time for that romance so back you're talking it. about grinding or something doing the soft boy stuff That's, yeah. So, Brian's favorite app, Grinder. That's how I met you. Where you found my dad? At Phil Camp. <laughs> I always stick things in my mouth. Should I like touch it with my face? I bet Grindr. it smells good. Sniff it. Wonderful. Oh, now you try. Whoops. Oh. <laughs> Come. It's really hard. Put it in me. Loose butthole. The- Coming from your doo doo maker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
tight butthole. Make a love baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, um, I'm going to play with them. I do. I'm going to come. We can I, both do it I like being an only child. <laughs> <laughs> I just see a lot of holes. They fucked me because I was going like that. It's fine to go straight in. I loved it so much. Well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come. <laughs> Mm. Um, 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 oh, fuck. I'm gonna do it. Mm. Mm. Oh. I come. Ah. Thanks, Brian. So much. <laughs> come in, but cunts. Whoa, whoa, we were. China mining. Anal. No, <laughs> why do you say this? Just cry with dinosaurs around me. Naked. 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 My most controversial opinion is pineapple on pizza. Get in there! Are you messed up, girl? Yeah. Never seen a damn pig. Whoa! Oh, oh, oh. Shit! The bed on my oh, Come here, girl. I didn't mean to that. Okay. 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 Wait a minute. There we go. Okay. Okay. Wait a minute. There we go. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Sir No Jams Fuck. That's one of the things that you say wacky or whack. Whack. Okay, good. It's Aaronite. Aaronite. Aaronitic. Aaronitic. <laughs> it's a uh... The debate continues. <laughs> Kitty meow 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 meow. <laughs> I'm a beta male. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even get to talk about the European anomaly. That sounded really good. <laughs>